Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast episode number 30. I am Matt O'Leary. I am joined by Mitch Anderson. And Mitch, as always, what edition is this? Well, it's number 30, and we've done some research. Uh, and uh, it's Gar Snow, Chad Johnson, Michael Neuverth, uh, J.F. Berube. It's essentially Noticing a trend. Yeah, it's all goalies. It's all goalies. Anyone who's ever worn number 30 for the Islanders is a goalie. And I think that's not like, oh, my God, or is, was a goalie. It's not some sort of crazy conspiracy. It's just it seems that in the NHL, goalies like to wear number 30 or or, or 31 nowadays. But you can't do that with the Islanders because Billy Smith's number is retired. So foreshadowing to next week, I got my number ready. There you go. You came prepared. You brought a lot to the table today. That was an interesting tidbit. I think fans are going to like that. Yeah, that's all I got. Thanks for watching. Bye. <laughs> all right. That's been the Eyes on Isles podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh... <laughs> all right. Anyway. <laughs> that's a bad bit. That's a bad bit. We're lame. We're really lame. Yep. But anyway, let's get started. Usually we talk about the Islanders' last three games to start, but they've only played two games. One shootout loss, and one win. Mitch, what are, are your biggest takeaways from these two games? Um, that they... St- I think it's just that they, they haven't been able to stick to this defensive system that they put in place. Right? The, their last game, they gave up 50 shots. Or or more. How many shots did they give up? Was it 52, I think? And uh, Gibson made... Not 50. Oh, yeah, he made 50 sh- saves, so yeah. yeah. So 52 shots against... Um, against the Calgary Flames, which are, to be fair, is, is a good team. But it just seems that maybe that defensive system that Gar Snow, or sorry, Gar Snow, jeez, I got Gar's on the brain, that Doug Wade put in, in place isn't necessarily working. Which is fine if they're going to win in a way. I'd like for them to do both. But at this point, with this staff, with this roster, it, they don't seem to be able to win a game where they are where 25 shots are, are thrown against them. For some reason, they need at least double shots thrown against them for them to win. That's yeah. my biggest takeaway. Uh, yeah, I think I would notice that too. Uh, the inconsistency there, because for a long stretch, it seemed like they're giving going back to giving up like twenty five shots a night, and you're like, "Yes, I love this. Give me this all the time." But they're still losing. And then the irony of it all is, they start giving up fifty shots again, and then they actually win the game. Yeah, like the last time that they gave up fifty shots or more in those. Since Doug Waite has put that, that strategy in place, they've won, haven't they? I'm going to say yeah. they have, but I'm saying that with nothing to back that up right now. So I'm talking on my back end. Um, van for me while I look that up. Okay. Um, to me, something that sticks out, for, especially from the last few, the Tavares hate 
is still here, which confused me. I don't want to completely change the topic, but this is something that is another standout to me. And I know Kate put something up on the site, so that's why we wanted to talk a little bit about it on the show. But I'm with her. I don't think that Tavares really deserves the blame that he's getting from a lot of fans on the internet. So the last time... So Doug Waite instilled the strategy apparently after February 13th. I'm just coming back real quick to, to close this off. Uh, they had the, Their next game was two, day, two days later against the Rangers, where the Islanders led up another 50 shots against. They won that. In the meantime, they've played Pittsburgh uh, on March 3rd, led up 50 shots against and lost in overtime, and then they won again, um, 52 shots against in Calgary. So they're 2-1 and... Uh, sorry, 2-0-1 oh, when they let up 50 shots or more since Doug Waite instilled that new strategy. Okay, that makes zero sense. I don't get, I don't get that at and all. They're one, one, two, three, four, four, and four when they let up less than 50 shots against. So since he instilled that new strategy. So mm, make that what you will. Oh, Mitch, nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> no. You would, you would think that here like we give up less shots and they score less goals, and we win because they score less goals. But apparently, that's not how it works anymore, nope, Mitch. No, nope. throw whatever you think you know out the window. Bye bye. Uh, so, so on to Tavares. People are saying Tavares isn't carrying his weight, um, so on and so forth. Or he didn't for a while, I guess, because he went through a slump. Like anyone is entitled to do. Not entitled, but can't. it can happen to anyone. No matter if your name is Sidney Crosby or Wayne Gretzky, you're going to go through a slump of a few games. That happens. Why is all of a sudden that we turn against him? I, I guess the the idea that they're, they're not winning doesn't help, I suppose. Yeah, I definitely think that has something to do with it. And I think another part is the insecurity of John Tavares' future with the organization. I think that plays a big role too. So are people just getting mad ahead of time thinking like, I'm going to get mad now. So it makes it easier for me to deal with later. Yeah. I think it's like a subconscious thing where it's like, Oh, I'm just going to get, start getting mad and say, Oh, we'll be better off without him anyway. Oh. So that the, to lessen the blow. Oh, can we just, can we freeze on that for one second? How are we going to be better off without John Tavares? We wouldn't. The, 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 I, I don't understand the banality of the statement. I, I understand people say, well, we have Matthew Barzell. That's true. We do. But if you look at this league and you look at the Stanley Cup winners over the last X number of years, how many of them have a single superstar player on the roster? Pittsburgh Penguins, they got two. Chicago Blackhawks, they got two. The Los Angeles Kings, they got two. Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty. You know, borderline Jonathan Quick, I wouldn't necessarily call him a superstar, but he's up there. And those are how many cups do they have between the two of them? Two, three, that's six. They have eight cups in the last, like, ten years. Boston Bruins, there's another one. Patrice Bergeron and Zdeno Chara and Tim Thomas on top of that in, in, the, in his superstar year. Like, you need more than just one superstar to win. So if we get rid of Tavares, and sure enough, we have Barzal, great. We have no one else behind him, which was the entire problem we had when we had Tavares alone <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> you idiots. You're the same people who are yelling at Garth Snow to do something because Tavares is alone. And they're saying, oh, we got Barzal. We could get rid of Tavares now. It doesn't make any sense, no, Mitch. it doesn't. It's so stupid. It's so asinine. I just... Oh, and if your statement is like, well, he doesn't want to be here. Okay, well, you know what? I, I can't. Fine. 
He does. You you think he doesn't want to be here? Okay, cool. I I don't think you're you're right, but like you know, uh, at this point he hasn't signed, so I don't know. But like, uh, I don't know. He's also got like five points in the last five games. So can we just cool our jets here a second? Five, yeah, he does. He has five points in the last four games. You want to make it sound even nicer? That's true. He's even better, and he's got sixty nine in sixty nine games. Nice, but you know, <laughs> I was going to say that you beat me too. <laughs> so he's still a point per game player over the season. He's still going to hit maybe eighty two points, maybe more. When's the last time John Tavares hit eighty points? Fourteen fifty. Uh, yeah, it'll have been three years. Since he hit more than 80 points. And even then, he hasn't done that for... He, that'll be the, only the third time in his career he hits 80 points. At the pace he's on right now. He's having a great year. A great year. God. Yes, they're not winning. It's a systematic thing. The entire system around him... They, they shouldn't be losing when they have a Calder winning trophy player... They have he's gonna win the Calder and two forty goal scorers on the team. They they shouldn't be losing. They shouldn't be this bad, yet they are because there's another what is it? There's twenty there's three players I just named. There's another twenty players on this roster that aren't holding up their weight. Maybe even less than that. Let's say eighteen if we take out um Josh Levy. Bailey, not even Josh Bailey oh. and um and Jordan Everly. You take those guys out of the equation. And we're left with that's four players I named out of twenty three. So that sorry, that's nineteen. Who did I? Who am I saying? I named oh Anders Lee. Sorry, eighteen. Eighteen players aren't holding up their weight this season. Eighteen out of twenty three. That's not a good ratio. That is not a good ratio. <laughs> that's so bad. We're back to being a math podcast again. That's so bad. So like, if you want to blame Tavares for where they're in, you don't like his leadership. Okay, fine, I guess I'm never going to convince you otherwise, but that's not the case. That's not what's happening here. And if you're just trying to blame Tavares so that it makes it easier on you at the end of the year, then I'm sorry for you. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Uh, He's on pace to have a career high in goals and be over 80 points, but let's just yell at John Tavares because that's all we can do now. Oh, this is so frustrating. I, I know. Do we want to move to something maybe a little bit more uplifting? Okay. So Chris Gibson has been pretty darn good. Yeah, he's been very good, actually. In three games, he has a 957 save percentage and a 1.90 goals against oh. average. With that kind of like that kind of goaltending averaged out over the year, if that's what it was, the Islanders would be at the top of the Metropolitan Division right now. I think that that's a little unfair to ask of Chris. Incredibly unfair. (laughs) That's a wild (laughs) assumption. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Maybe he could be that. I'm not going to say he will because of three games, but at this point, I'm I'm happy someone's at least able to do it, especially right now, because as you look at it, they have a new defensive system, or or so we think, uh, or so we've been told. Sorry, Um, and their roster isn't that great. But he's still able to do it. And listen, Halak isn't. In the month of March, Halak is a 4.5 goals against average and an 809 save percentage. Ooh. Awful. 
LaPoop, he's been terrible in March, but he's got the same defensive system in front of him. He's got the same players around him, and he's only played twice in March, but that's a pretty good comparison when you're looking at Chris Gibson's sample size that's only three. You're looking at a three-game sample size to a two-game sample size. They're not big either-or, but when you compare them and you compare the system and the context that they're in, they're in the same boat, but one is dramatically better than the other one. So then... Let me ask you this. Chris Gibson has to play almost every single night. That's not a back-to-back, correct? I, I, I would, the rest of the way? I would do it. Why not? Like, what, what have you got to lose? And it's not like he's played bad teams. Okay, Edmonton hasn't been good, but uh, there's, they, they, I think they went on a little roll there after they played the Islanders where they won three or four in a row. Well, actually, they would have, they would have, one of them would have been the Islanders because the Islanders haven't been winning. Um, so they put, they've been able to put games together and like, they're still playing against McDavid. Um, then they play, he single-handedly won that game anyway. That that, that goal was such garbage, uh, behind the net and everything. God, God, I hate McDavid. It went right off. It went off Davidson's stick and then off Gibson's back and in. That was such a fluky goal with like a minute 50 left a minute 50. Yeah. And then poor Gibson had no shot in the shootout. No, it's a shootout. It's 50-50 against the best player in the world. Like, come on. But anyways, so he played Pittsburgh, which is a fantastic team, especially at the time. He played Edmonton. And where did he get the win again? Why can't I remember this for some reason? Calgary. Calgary. Okay, they're not great. So, But they still put 52 shots up against him. Yeah, he's up 50 of 52. That's pretty damn yeah. good. So let's time to get a little crazy. Not super crazy like it was at the beginning of this, but a little crazy. Do you think he's got a chance at the starting position next year? And by I say a chance, I mean, oh. is he going to get at least a consideration? I'm not saying do you see him as a starter. I'm asking when the Islanders are, are down a goalie in the at the start of the 18-19 season because of contracts, and they're looking to fill at the starter position. Is he going to at least have like a, a picture up on the board? Yeah, I think so. I think that he should go into camp and get some an opportunity at least. Again, I don't think that they should necessarily plan on just having Grice and Gibson be the the goalies and be okay with that. But I I do believe that he deserves an opportunity to at least prove it. I, at this point, based off of what he's done, I can't say otherwise. I can say, like, yes, he's got a small sample size, but I like what he's shown so far. And, yes, it's only a small sample size, but, like, that's all we got to go on so far. We can wait longer, but the Islanders' contracts aren't getting sorted out sooner. And who are they going to go pick up in free agency? Who are they going to go pick up in trades? That's a goalie. Like, the one goalie that probably could have moved – and had any sort of potential was Peter Mrazek. Who mm-hmm. else are they going to go pick up? I have a few names. Okay. Who you got? Oh, you want me to actually do yeah, it? Yeah, who you got? Okay, you have two options from the same team. One trade, one free agency. Oh, okay. Anti-Ranta. Anti right. Or Darcy Kemper. Right. And who's your third one? I said two guys from the. Oh, I thought I, for some reason I thought you had three guys. Uh, I think I, I was projecting Dyslexia. Robin Leonard in your list for some reason. Oh, okay. Um, okay, we'll we'll get to those two guys a little bit later in our longer segment because I think you wrote something about Darcy Kemper in in some sort of list. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But why those two guys? Because like Arizona is 
garbage. Yeah, so why would those guys want to stay there? Okay, I guess are they up? Are they up for? Are their contracts up? Or Ranta's a UFA, and you could have to trade for Darcy Kemper. Okay, he just signed a two-year extension. Okay, at under two million a year. Oh, that is tasty. Exactly. You know what his average is? Like what? What? What kind of numbers he's putting up? Uh, give me two seconds. I could tell you what his numbers. Yeah, because the only thing I, I worry about that is is kind of like the Scott Darling thing. Right, it's like we've seen a decent sample size, an okay sample size, and he put up some okay numbers. But the second you give him the reins, and I, I guess that goes for any goalie. So, like, I, I guess it's not fair for me to say that would happen with Kemper. Okay, ready? Yeah. He is twelve, three, and four with a nine twenty-seven save percentage and two twenty-two goals against average. That's pretty darn good. And twenty-seven years old. Yeah, and what's his record? Three. Uh, 12, 3, and 4. Oh, that's a pretty good sample size, too. 3, 12, and 4. Yeah, I could dig that for sure. But they obviously think the same. That's why they gave him the two-year deal. Right, but they also, I really think that they want Ronta back. Really? Okay. I think so. I think they want to give Ronta an extension, and I think that's why Kemper is then expendable, especially if... You give him a draft pick, which the Islanders have. They've got a loads of f- I, a few of those. Yeah, and I don't know many rebuilding teams that will shy away from a draft pick for a backup goalie that's expendable. That's true. That's true. So just dropping some knowledge bombs here, Mitch. That's all I'm doing. Mind blown. Um, John Ledecky, I know if you're listening, if there's a GM position available at the end of the year, you know I'm your man. <laughs> I got those ideas. There you go. Well, you've got a whole list, and we'll, we'll get to your list a little bit later. So on Gibson himself specifically, you say he gets he gets a picture up on the wall to say, do we give this guy a shot year and eight at the starter position? I totally agree. Oh, oh, absolutely. I really do. I think that it's going to be him, Grice, and at the very least, Soderstrom next year in in camp getting a lot. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I can't disagree unless they go pick some up like Kemper and then, you know— that makes sense. Uh, Goodleskis, forget about it. Like he's going to be the yeah, AHL guy for a while now, um, which is fine. You know, he's, he seems perfectly serviceable at that level. I think um, I say that because I haven't necessarily looked it up, but from what I understand, he's okay. Um, I, I ultimately I don't see Christopher Gibson getting it, but I can see a scenario where um, he gets a backup position. So they give it to Grice full-time. They keep Gibson as the backup, and then Soderstrom is left to kind of acclimatize himself to the the American game. Maybe the American, the North American game. And playing okay. in the AHL for so, the season. So playing the AHL. And would you be okay with that? Uh, yeah, because I don't know what, what Soderstrom is. Right, I, I, I don't... He's an unknown quantity at the NHL level. And this is where my argument for giving... Gibson a shot is entirely based on is that we've seen what he can do at the NHL level. I know it's only on three games, but that's three more games than we've seen from Linus Soderstrom. So we see what he can do at the NHL level, which is the level that matters. So to me, that makes more sense. I'm not sure I fully agree with you there. I don't think it's too big. You're talking like we know what he is based off three games. Well, I pumped the okay, but do you know what Linus Soderstrom is off zero games? 
No, I don't think you know what either of them truly but are. But you know more. You, you you started forming. Like if you were playing uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert, and you were moving up towards the base, you've gotten three steps closer. So you've revealed more of the map with Christopher Gibson than you have with Linus Soderstrom. He's still being made through in the bunkers right now. No one played that game. No one. What the hell are you talking about? You've never played Command and Conquer Red Alert. What world are no. you from? Oh, okay. Have you played any any game where like real time strategy game where you have to reveal the map as you progress through it? Have you played StarCraft Command or WarCraft Con- or any game like that? Dude, Command and Conquer came out in '96. I was one. What? Oh, well, I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> You're so oh. washed up. Oh man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Sorry. That made you feel Wait, good. Wait, Command & Conquer or Command & Conquer Red Alert? Red Alert. Red Alert came out in 96. God, you have to play that game. If no one's played that game, play it now. It's fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. Tesla coils and everything. Anyway, so the point of the game is that your two warring factions, uh, the Allies and the Soviets, I don't, I don't know if they actually call them the Soviets. I'm pretty sure they do. they got a Stalin-looking guy in there. Anyways, and as you converge towards each other's... Like, as you, you start the game, you see where you are, and you see nothing else. It's all black. And you have to walk your guys around to reveal more of the map. And so with... Okay. If we're, if we're using the goalie metaphor here, we've taken three steps closer to the enemy's base or towards knowing a complete picture of what's happening in the world with Christopher Gibson than we have with Linus Soderstrom. Okay. All right. The analogy... It works. Trust me. It it works. It just took you forever to get there because you're like 15 years old. (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't like hashtag YOLO'd everywhere. I assume that's what like millennials do. Yeah, pretty much. That's, uh, yeah. I fit in that role, definitely. Yeah. Although, is is that why you love How I Met Your Mother? Is that why? Because you're a millennial? Oh, my God. Are we doing this on this We're platform? We're going to do it right now. Because you had, like, oh, the, the worst hot take had... ever. My wife almost threw up hearing that hot take. Oh, my God. She, you told your oh, wife? I tell my wife everything. Oh, my God. We're okay. partners in so life. My... Okay. My hot take was... I love the ending to How I Met Your Mother, and the reason why is because, especially this was the second time I watched it That's through. the important part. That's the important part. You saw it twice all the way through. Go on. Right. Because the whole show basically foreshadows it happening. It throws you a nice spin at the end. There's nothing nice about kind of, that spin. There's nothing nice no, about it. No, because you're waiting for them to get together the entire show. And then they do... And then they do. But then you're like, I'm kind of done with this because you had like three seasons where I was like, oh, I'm over this now. Ugh. No. Anyway, we won't reveal but the ending. Sh- but the people who have watched How I Met Your Mother know that it's a disgusting ending and it ruined everyone's lives. And Matt O'Leary loves it. So he's okay with you being- I do. Your, ru- your life's ruined. I almost ruined that joke. Were you, you were, was it because it made you sad at the end? No, it didn't make me sad. It made me upset that I spent that kind of time watching it and I wasn't justly rewarded with a proper finishing. That was such a great... That was a good show. You're such a Oh, fool. God. Uh, Go play your Red Storm or wherever the hell it's called. <laughs> Red Alert, get it right. <laughs> oh, God. 
right, let's talk about another thing we're going to definitely disagree on. Okay. President of Hockey Operations, speaking of hot take, Mitch dropped a hot take on us with who he would like the president of Hockey Ops to be. Mitch, you have the floor. Garth Snow. Okay. Now, if everyone will join me, we're going to give Mitch a boo on the count of three. So if you're listening in your car, wherever you're listening, on three, just start booing. Ready? One, two, three. Boo! Why? Why do you want this guy anywhere near the organization, Mitch? We've talked about this every week. It's his fault we're in this situation to begin with. Are, are, are you done? Yeah, I, yeah justify <laughs> this. <laughs> okay, so the justification for this is that clearly the Islanders... So this all came about because... And this isn't a new take. We've, we've talked about this specifically in the summer even. Because the Islanders have been looking for president of hockey operations for some time now. And just this week, the Carolina Hurricanes, quote-unquote, fired Ron Francis, living Carolina Hurricanes legend Ron Francis, as the general manager and placed him. So they didn't fire him, actually, but they removed him from his GM role and made him president of hockey operations. And the owner, Jeff Dundon, is it Jeff? I think it's Tom. Tom Dundon. Either, either way. I know it's Dundon at the end. Either way, his justification was that we wanted a guy for a hockey ops position and we wanted a guy for a GM position. Because at this, po- at this point, in, in, most, in our franchise anyways, the Carolina franchise, he did both. Just like Gar Snow does. He does both. We want someone to do one independently. Now... To be fair, Dundon also didn't necessarily agree with Francis and just wanted him out, but he didn't want to have to buy out his contract. So what he's doing is he just he's putting him somewhere where he doesn't have to buy him out. He's got to pay out the rest of his contract, but he's going to have no impact on the day-to-day roster. Now, was it what well, let me yes. ask you. What does the president of hockey operations actually Who do? Who the hell knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? He's not making trades or making draft picks. And that's all that matters. He's getting paid. He's still in the organization. He still has a vote, I'm sure, or a say or an opinion. But it doesn't mean that you got to listen to him. Do, do I picture the president of hockey operations doing? George Costanza, so, like sleeping in the desk, just like, yes. Wait, he brings a, 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 brief, a brief, an empty briefcase, <laughs> and just like a, he just waddles into his office, sits there at his empty desk, opens the briefcase, there's like a sandwich in there. That's, that's what does he it. do like Peter he Griffin when he got to the position? He just sharpens pencils all day? Yeah. yeah. So... And so my thought here was that the Islanders are in a situation with Gar Snow is that they clearly don't – well, they, they clearly – we clearly don't want him there for good reason. Um, but it also seems that this guy's got a contract for the next billion years if you, if you want to believe some, some media types like Dave Lozo. And I, I have no reason to not believe him. It's very much in, in uh, Charles Wang's, Wang's, Wong's MO to give ridiculously long contracts. See – Rick DiPietro and Alexi Yashin. Um, so he, I, I don't doubt that he's done this. But if the Islanders brass, if their reason for not firing Garcino right now is simply because his contract is way too big, put him in the hockey ops. Do it. You have the power. Put him there. Hire someone, whoever, that you see fit 
that would make that would be a better fit as a general manager and wait out the contract or until Seattle comes up and they're saying hey we want we want someone who's been there forever and they come pluck Gar Snow from your roster or sorry your roster your team and then you're done with him you didn't have to pay anything out aside from his regular contract and he had no impact on the team win win you're welcome <clears throat> okay here's what I do yeah I don't give him the satisfaction of staying with the organization. You kick his ass to the curb, say sayonara, see you later, bye-bye, hand him whatever's remaining on that contract, and be done with this clown. I, I, I know. I know. But honestly, at what point do you think the organization's going to actually do that? That's why I wrote this, because I'm, I'm at a position where there's no way that I can see Garth Snow staying, or sorry, leaving. I can't see him leaving. It's possible, but I don't see it, and they've done nothing to prove to tell me otherwise. So why would I believe after, it now? After missing the playoffs two years in a row? Sure, maybe, but they're going to miss it now. What are they waiting, for the mathematics to work out? They've got how many games left? Twelve? No. Twelve to make what, up like whenever, eight points, please. Whenever the, the day after their season's over? That's fine. Fine. If they do it, like, then fine. But we're not there yet. And I thought that they was apt, especially considering that Carolina had just done that. And they're in the playoff race. They're in the race for the playoffs right now. The Islanders are not. In football, they have what's called Black Monday. And it's the day after the regular season ends. So the last Sunday, week 17 of the NFL, the following day is called Black Monday. And all the bad coaches get let go. The GMs get let go. And... Whenever the following day is, I don't know what day of the week the Islanders season ends on, but black whatever is when Garth Snow is going to get the boot the very next day. Okay, so should we let, let me let me pull up the date here and let, let's schedule something. We already have. So what's the bet that we already have going on that if Garth Snow is in that position or in a position on opening day or on the first day? Uh, no, this is GM, not any position. Oh, if he's the GM, you lucky duck. Okay, sure. If he's still GM by the time they play at the Coliseum, you will stand outside of the Coliseum with a cowbell and a sandwich mm-hmm. board, and you will scream out mm-hmm. shame. So that's still going. Um, now, you're saying he's their last game of the season is on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday. Black Sunday, there baby. So Sunday, bloody Sunday, uh, April 8th. April 8th? That sounds like a good day. So Or... Ledecky, if you're listening, if you want to wait till April 21st and give me a good birthday present, you could do that also. So I'm just opening my calendar here. Do, 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 do. April 8th. I have to cut my dog's nails. I'm going to also add something here. Um, is Garth still employed? Question mark. Uh, if not, okay. wait, then what? What are you going to do if he doesn't, if he isn't? I th- I say he's still going to be there. Okay, so wait. No, I'm not going to double down on, on these. We'll just keep that. And if I don't know what we're going to do, we'll think about it. We'll think about doing something for April eighth, some sort of social media campaign or awareness session. If he's still in the position or not. All right, whatever tickles your fancy. Just tell me. I'll do it on video. Whatever. Yeah, we'll you want. come up with something um, together as a team. Um, for April 8th. So put that in your calendars, everyone. Okay. 
anything else on your boy for hockey ops, president of hockey ops? No, I want him gone. I really do. We all want him <laughs> gone, but like I think it. this is the more manageable way of doing so based off of the reality that we live in. All right. This is depressing. It could be, but it could be very uplifting if I'm incredibly wrong. And they just tomorrow, they're like, you know, what? we're done with him. If he loses tomorrow or if they lose tomorrow and they fire him, it'll be the happiest day of my life. I hope your wife doesn't listen to the show. I just told her we're partners in life. She knows She knows what I'm talking about. She knows that I'm being <laughs> boisterous when it comes to sports. Oh, my God. He just, he said, my wife or my two children. Oh, my God. We're going to play that at your kid's 18th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. All right. I want to get into the long yep. topic. All right, so I came up with a 10-step plan to fix the Islanders. If you missed it, it is still on the website, eyesonisles.com. And just, honestly, just uh, Google Islanders 10-step, and it'll come up first thing. Okay. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start with this? Do you want me to talk about why I did this, or do you want to ask questions? Or okay, like, I let's you start with about it. why you did it, and then I'm going to tell you uh, – I'm going to ask you what your favorite one is. And by favorite, you can define what your favorite is by whatever criteria you want, uh, like realistic, reasonable, uh, doable, whatever you want. And I'll give you my two phase. And then there's one that I want to ask you some questions on. So tell okay. us why you did it. I did it because the Islanders need a major facelift. No. They need to end this culture of losing. They need to end so. Dan Saracini? Matt. That is. Now, I like. are fighting I I like him. I like what he does over at Lighthouse. I mean, they have to – the Islanders, actually. That's why he made his handle, <laughs> Culture know. of Losing. It's because the Islanders have this – The way you Don't, said it, I was just <laughs> – I see what you're trying to do here, the instigator. Um, they have this stench, this bile they all over do. them, and it has to be cleaned. And they need a major facelift, and I thought – if I was in charge, what would I do? And I came up with 10 steps to fix this team. Okay, perfect. Um, what is your favorite of the 10? My favorite of the 10? Now again, you can say your favorite is, for whatever reason, is it realistic? Is it reasonable? Is it actually actionable, like something that could be done? Um, uh, what is it? My favorite, and it's because I got a little bit creative with it, is my trade for Darcy Kemper. Okay, that you've yeah you've mentioned that. So, what do you give up for Darcy Kemper in your trade scenario? Okay, a 2018 second round pick and Andrew Ladd, who waives his no trade clause, and the Islanders retain 12 million of that salary because that's the most amount that they could retain. Right, that the CBA allows. Okay, that's fair. I don't I don't imagine he he waives it to go to Arizona, um, but who knows. Right, like it, it's it's possible, and Arizona's going to need him because I think those Pronger is Pronger's already off the books, and I think that's it comes off this year, and that's six mil off the books. Yeah, they're going to try to reach that cap floor. They could use the veterans being their top six. Uh, Andrew Ladd at three point one million sounds a lot nicer than Andrew Ladd at five oh, and a half. Yeah, million. that's less than Casey Zizekas or Cal Clutterbuck, and he's definitely got a bigger production upside than both of them. Yeah, he has potential. I think he can help mentor some of their younger players. 
Definitely. So as long as he's willing to waive that no trade clause or no move clause, then we're all good. But I just don't see it happening. Hey, man, I would say, listen, it'll be a healthy scratch every single night here for the next five That's years. That's true. Yeah, they just mark Andre Fleury him saying, like, well, you're not going to play. So do you want to go somewhere where you're going to play or do you want to stay here? Think about it. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you my fave. I have two. Uh, okay. The first one is that you made a trade for, or maybe not a trade, but you said bring in Tyler Bozak. Was it a trade? I forget now. No, UFA. Yeah. Um, I love that. Bring him in as your third line center. Heck yeah. He's mm-hmm. a third line center in Toronto right now. Right. Uh, he might even be borderline fourth line center with Thomas Plakanich being there. So I, I like that. Uh, he's going to be UFA. How much do you give him? I give him um, three years, fourteen point two five million. So four point seven five million. Okay, a year. that's that's a lot for a third line center. It really is. But for three years, you still got Matt Barzal for two years at less than a million. So, and the reason why I made it a short term three year deal is because his line mates would be. Kiefer Bellows and Josh Hosang, who will make virtually nothing for the, the almost the entire length of that right. contract. Oh, that sounds good. I like that already. Um, well, I liked it before. That's why I said it was my fave. And then there's the other one where you said Justin Falk for Sebastian Ajo, Brock Nelson, and a first-round pick in 2018. And I wrote here, I love it. Because I do. Yes. Although, would they put both Sebastian Ajos on the same team? It might get confusing. Could you imagine but, like the jerseys I mean, that's going on there? What Sebastian Aho do you have? They'd have to put like a Finnish emoji icon next to one and a Swedish one against the other one. Well, I think Sebastian Aho has some upside, and the Islanders have some defensive prospects to play with. That's why I included him. Brock Nelson, again, uh, it's not so much uh, an immediate impact for 2018 2019. But they have a bunch of guys coming off the books the following year where he could slot in as that third-line center. I mean, next in 2018-19, he could probably be like a third-line left wing or something like that, Yeah. Um, which I think he probably plays better at wing anyway, but that's a whole story for another Definitely. day. And then a, f- a first-round pick. I mean, I think I quoted it in here too. I don't know a lot of teams that haven't made the playoffs in nearly a decade give up the opportunity of acquiring a first-round pick. Right, exactly. Um, on the Brock front, like their highest goal scorer is Toivo Teravainen, has 21 goals. So they could probably use someone like Brock, who, yes, he goes quiet for a while, but he still gets you 20 goals most likely. So you you got yourself another 20 goal scorer on the team. That's pretty good for a team that's short on goals. Right, and they could take a flyer on him again for being someone who just needs a change of scenery. And I gave it was a sign and trade, so I gave him a four year, 16 million dollar contract. So four million a okay. So like a one point five million dollar raise every year. Eh, yeah, that's that sounds like a lot, but it's probably fair in, in in today's market. I think. Who knows? No one knows what market worth are like, anyways. Uh, and and just getting Justin Falcon. So you you would put him. I I think I saw that you put him in the, um, on the second defensive pairing. Kind of yes. like a Ryan McDonough slot in in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I would put him in that second spot and start Davidson with mm-hmm. him for next year, and then hopefully Taze can move into that spot either at some point during the year or uh, the following right. year. 
Yeah, we forget we still have Taze because you know, he's injured, but we still have him coming up next year, and he's likely going to challenge for a roster spot next year. I just don't know where he's going to fit in. We're going to have to get rid of one of one of our defensemen, so that's why Sebastian Ajo obviously leaves. But like one of Pollock, right. Mayfield, Pelic, Ajo have to make room for Taze unless we get rid of Taze, and then it's, well, what's the point? Right. After all that buildup, we're just going to trade him? Come on. That doesn't make any sense. No, that's why I think like Ajo's the more expendable. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then I had a question for you. You had okay. In one point, you said fire Gar Snow. So my question uh-huh. is why? No, no. And uh, had a panic attack there. No, it's you said fire him and replace him with Bill Guerin. Now make yes. your case for Bill Guerin. Why Billy G? Aside from the fact that he used to play here. Uh that's one of the reasons. Um, but then also because he has been with a winning organization for since 2011. What what organization is that again? The Pittsburgh Never Penguins. Oh, okay. Um, he has seen how good teams are built. I quoted how uh, – because I really enjoy how they – you spend money on their forwards especially. Mm. Only Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel – make money everyone else they don't pay they don't pay anyone big money that they don't have to they're very smart with their contracts um uh, and it also kind of ties into who i'd want as the coach too okay who do you want because he has a connection oh right yeah i I act like i didn't read it but i actually read it um so dan bilesba yeah i i did not like him in buffalo and I'll, i'll be the first to accuse myself of recency bias but he did not do a good job in Buffalo. Did Buffalo have any players, though? Jack Eichel? Jack Jack Eichel? That's it. Uh, this kid, this American kid, second overall. Jack Eichel? Right. Okay, can I, give, can, I give you some, can I give you some statistics that might sway okay. you? Um, okay. You didn't even have them ready. How are you going to get? You're oh already God, no. ruining okay. your argument. I don't know. He had a 668 win percentage with Pittsburgh. Okay. And his team never finished below second place when he was with the Penguins. Second place in the division? Okay. Yes. All right. Cool. I have. That doesn't do no. it for you? It's Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. I, I, at this point, I assume anyone can come in and do an okay job. But the Islanders have never brought in a coach that has had playoff success. You're before. right. That's true. That that it that if that's what it is, and it's it's changing the culture in terms of hiring and who they're bringing in, and saying like we have big team mentality. Fine. Okay, I'll give you that much because you're right. They usually bring in some AHL coach, a guy that has no experience, a guy who's going to be cheap on the payroll. Mitch, the the guy who had the most success as a head coach before being brought here was Mike Milbury. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, wait, what do you mean? Sorry, d- redefine that. What do you mean exactly before being brought here? Mike Milbury, with his one conference championship appearance in 1989-1990, was the deepest playoff run a coach has had before joining the Islanders. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Hmm. That's food for thought. But mm-hmm. with, 
to me, it's just that the Islanders hire usually for a bench boss unproven talent. At, at least recently. I'm not going to say that Al Arbor was unproven before they got him. Um, but as of lately, in the modern era, the Islanders don't hire someone who's got a proven track record because they usually go for someone who's cheaper on the payroll. Um, they're they're nowhere near the race for like when Barry Trotz was out there, and even then Barry Trotz probably wouldn't give them wouldn't have given them the time of day. Or Bruce Boudreau, same thing, wouldn't have given them the time of day probably. Um, but if they can get someone like Bilesman who's got that experience, sure, okay, fine. As long as they bill it as we now have big team mentality, and like that's kind of thrown into like the glorifying stats of him being with Pittsburgh, then I'm okay with it. Then you, then you've sold me on that. But outside of it, you have not sold me. All right, that's that's fine. You're not going to agree with no, everything. That's true, but yeah. I kind of did agree with you though because you made that argument. But did you like did you like my lineup though? Would you have done anything differently? How about that? Would you have done anything differently in your plan? In my plan, um, so when it comes to lineup, my plan is there's a lot of assumptions. I don't get rid of Andrew Ladd mainly because I don't think he can go. I like the idea of trying to convince him to go by not playing him, but. Oh, that's tough to do with $5.5 million just sitting there. Um, my defense might look a little bit different because I'd try to get rid of um, Scott Mayfield and Adam Pellick. I'd try to package them with first-round picks for... Um, oh, God, I know what you're, you're clapping, but it's not because of that. You're the same guy who just loved these signings. Yeah. We talked about it last week. But did I say I'm getting rid of them because of their contracts, or did I say I'm getting rid of them because they're extra guys and we have better players on the roster already? Oh, like, look, my the God. The contracts themselves are fine. The contracts in and of themselves are good. The contracts in and of themselves are cost-assertive. Uh, they assure the cost over the length of the contract, and they're not big deals. They're, what, 1.6 for Pellick and 1.25, I think it is, for Mayfield? Like, these are big money deals. We're not talking Cal Clutterbuck or Casey Zekas. They are good deals for the price point. Now, if I'm getting rid of them, it's because I've got, I'm trying to bring in other guys. I like Aho. I like Pollock. I like Taze. I like them better than I like Mayfield and I like Pellick. But I also need top four help because one of those guys is going to the top four and the other two guys are going to the bottom six or the, the bottom two. So who am I going to bring in? Well, lately in the NHL, the trend is to bring in a guy like a McDonough, like a Justin Falk. Okay, well then I need to move some D to get that. I think I made a pretty darn compelling case for both sides of that. You're welcome. Oh, my God. That was great. It's not a hypocritical stance. It's acknowledging a contract when a contract is good and acknowledging when you have something that could be traded for more. Do you think a five-year contract is movable, though? On that on that cap hit? Why not? You're getting a, a guy who's on term for five years for your bottom six at $1.2 to $1.6 million a year. Yeah. Why not? That sounds great to me. All right. All right. I don't I don't really remember someone with that long of a cap or uh, not cap, but contract being moved. Sure. That's possible. 
like it's maybe teams are adverse to like, well, I don't want a guy that's going to be on my roster for the, the next forever. But it's not like they're no move. You can move these guys, and it's not like they carry such huge hits that you putting them in the minors doesn't help you. I guess it doesn't even matter if you put them in the minors. Who cares? It's one point six million dollars. It's not that big of a deal. It's just cost certainty. Because if this guy does, for some reason, explode into a top four player, you've got him at $1.6 million a year. I guess. Like, and, and, I, and I, I don't think we're ever going to no, agree. No, we're not going to. We, we haven't agreed so far. We're not going to agree going forward. And I keep saying 1.6. Yes, I wanted to make sure that Pelic was indeed signed for 1.6. And it is. And Mayfield is at 1.45 starting next season. Okay. So... And there you go. And even then, Pelic, when he's done, RFA status still. He's still under team control after that. So he can control a really mediocre player for a long time. There you go. I I, I sensed the sarcasm in there, and I just went with it anyways. <laughs> I love you, Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we want to move on to the social segment? Let's do it. All right, so we had Kevin Connolly from Entourage dropping some very spicy hot Isles takes the other night during the game. He is definitely not a part of the Snow Must Go movement. In fact, might be the biggest Garth Snow fan I've ever seen. He was spin zoning things like crazy. He was sipping the uh, Kool-Aid, as they say. He definitely was. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of them just because they're really, really funny. Um, let's see. First, he started with, guys, I hate to break it to you, but Garth and Dugway are not the problem. I do not, not in all capitals, support the movement. The movement being the hashtag snow must go. Hashtag snow must go. But, like, really? Garth and Dugway? I can maybe see Doug... I I I could maybe understand that because we were saying it last year that Capuano wasn't really given a fair shake when it came to the roster. He had three players, important players, leave his roster, and they weren't replaced. Uh, now Doug Wade has come in and he's made changes and he's tried, and it doesn't seem to be working out. So I, I can hear the case for either side with Doug Wade, but Garth is definitely the problem. Can we like please, like please now? He hasn't drafted well, question mark. Sounds like you're all capitals on something, bruh. Well, uh, so this one I have a little bit of a problem with because I wrote something entirely based off that tweet. Because how do you quantify if a, if a GM has, has drafted well? Uh, if their players develop to be NHL players, right. I guess. So like in based off of his first round picks, Gar Snow finishes 10th amongst all current general managers. Keep in mind, there are, there are a number of GMs who've only been there for like a year, and there's some that don't even have GMs, like Carolina right now. Um, so let, let's exclude, let's make the field down to like 25. He's mid-table. So he's not bad, but he's not good. Um, so to the people who have been asking me to, or asking us to apologize to Kevin Connolly for throwing him under the bus or trying to throw him under the bus on, on, on Twitter for this tweet, um, no. Garth has not been good. He's not been bad. But he has not been good either. You could be not. You can not be both. Is that how you say it? Say the part. The one that really got me was the one that I tweeted at him. <laughs> I listed like Griffin Reinhardt, Michael Del Cole, and uh, Nino Niederreiter, and he was like, 
What's your point? Like, oh, I don't know. They're top five picks who did nothing. Yeah, like that point should be pretty damn clear if you if you watch the Islanders or follow them. And I know he does, so I don't understand why he didn't get that. It's pretty clear when you say in response to he's drafted well question mark sarcastically and you say what about these top five prospects that he's taken um and, and something else to note there's only one other gm currently in the nhl who's had more first top five picks or sorry top 10 picks in Gary snow and that's david Poyle in nashville who's been there for 20 years at the helm of an expansion franchise Garsnow did not have an expansion team and has only been there 12 years. It's still a ridiculously long time. And there's no one else in the NHL that has more, more top 10 picks than him. And this one, I, I wanted to just swan dive out my window when I read this one. No forward depth, question mark. Um, That's ridiculous. I'm sorry, Mitch. What has been the problem all year long? Their first two lines score 300-something goals, and then the last two lines score like 90. Yeah, it's it's a big difference. It's 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 a big drop off, and obviously, you, you, the first line doesn't score like the fourth line. But the problem we're seeing now is, especially when John Tavares went through that little slump, is that the the secondary scoring went with it because the secondary scoring wasn't there to support him. I mean, the third line's been garbage all year yeah. long. Well, there, there was that like what that one week where Brock Nelson scored like a million goals. Yeah, but guess who was playing with him? Well, no, 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 I'm not talking about the start of the season. I'm talking just even like oh. in February. So I think it's middle of February when the sun started coming out a little bit more. Yeah, he's got to get that vitamin D. Well, I mean, daylight savings, you got to be thinking that Brock Nelson, better times Brock are ahead. He's going to be back, baby. Except the only thing that doesn't work with that theory is he likes to go dark again during playoff time. Yeah, it, it, I'm not going to say that it's based off of any sort of science or anything. It's really just um, observational. <laughs> It's not a good theory. Uh, it's not. Uh, I'll be honest, it's not a good theory. It's just... It's a it's funny a theory, funny though. theory, that's all. Um, so, yeah. Do they have forward depth? No, not really. They got... No. They, the, the Tavares, Lee, Bailey, Barzal, Eberle, and then that's it. Which, listen, that that's five out of your top six. That's good, but your bottom six is garbage. So, there's a problem. Yes. That could all change next year, though. Fingers crossed. Bellows and Hosang. We'll see. Makes me happy. Out, out of the, those two picks, which one makes the team? If one doesn't... I don't think both do. I, uh, they're, they'd be dumb to not have both Yeah, but the they're roster. already dumb. So we already know that. That's been established. They are already no. dumb. M- nope. It's established. Nope. Garth Snow is not going to be here next year. So oh, okay. this is going to be Fair over enough. with. Fair enough. Okay. I'll take you on that. But I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll see. That's all I had, buddy. It's the the KOC thing or KCO thing, just kind of blew my mind how he went bananas on social media, uh, almost. And then deleted yeah, he went it all. Two bananas. He went full Gwen Stefani on that. Is that is that too old of a reference for you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it's a great song. That was a great album. Didn't B A N A. That's right. That's how you spell bananas. Banana. A-N-A. I'm a big No Doubt guy. Oh. So. Well, yeah, fair enough. Do you know who produced that album? Andre who? 3000? Okay. Do you don't know who that is? I know the name. I, I can tell you what it, what else Outcast. he did. He's half of Outcast. Oh, Outcast? 
You don't know who Outcast is? I know. No, I know who Outcast is. Would you please? There's going to be a whole show of this. Do you know who this person is? Oh. Anyways, I'm done. I'm done feeling old. Oh, you can't work technology. Uh, I don't know. What is this button do? My bifocals aren't bifocaling. God, can we end this? I feel like I'm a million years old. My gray hair is just like doubled in numbers. I think you're, you're it's just like falling out. You're going bald. Yeah, that's true, but. Oh, no. All right. All right. Uh, as always, be sure to follow Eyes on Isles on both Twitter and Facebook at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. Facebook is facebook.com slash eyes on aisles my personal twitter page is at matt o'leary and why mitch's is at t-l-o mitch and as always please go to the website for all your new york islanders needs mitch grandpa mitch it's been a good episode <laughs> to be fair only seven year olds call their twitter handle a twitter page please oh god he's so salty <laughs> We'll talk to you next Bye. week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.